This is Comet Picks by the Glick. Hey, and I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. How is it going? Oh, it's going pretty good, John. How about you? Great. Have you seen anything new lately? <laughs> well, I still haven't seen... Uh, I never did get around to seeing um, Amazing Spider-Man, which is... I don't know. It's, like, it's inappropriate considering what I'm... Considering what I do these days, but... Well, uh, just as... It's, if you haven't seen it i haven't read really any reviews on it what are the reviews real quick i mean can you give us that uh there does uh, like from her correctly is at 73 percent positive in rotten tomatoes so we're saying it was good but um you know like i just could never mess up the uh get past the fact that you know hey you know we already had like a pretty good trilogy from sam raimi um just you know back uh, capped off in 2007 and so it was just you know just to reboot things so fast you know just Never, I never really got past that. Yeah, that not, hump right there. We're not talking about Star Trek here, man. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the reason I bring up Spider Man is because Spider is a Spidey uh, topic of the tonight's podcast. Mm. Yeah, because like after, because after like many months of waiting, it's like I finally got um the first soft cover collection of um of um Brian Brian Michael Bendis's new um ultimate. But Spider-Man series, one introducing us to um, it's like half African American, half um half Hispanic um Spider um Miles Morales. Now, I figured that you know, like, hey, as soon as this came out, this would be a great opportunity to do a podcast, just do a nice little retrospective on on Bendis's run, at, like and like the title in general. Because thing is about like when Ultimate Spider-Man debuted back in the day, I mean, like, everyone thought that you know this is going to be a Terrible idea. Yeah, you get this like, writer who's only done like you know indie stuff, and we're like, we're, oh, we're gonna do like a whole new continuity for Spider-Man. Oh, this is gonna be terrible. Well, the see, thing was, it's like you know, like Marvel is casting about for like all sorts of like things, things to get Spider-Man out of his like creative funk, so to speak. And so like they figured, hey, you know, we're gonna toss this stuff to uh, to Bendis and see what he see what he can do. It's like you know, hey. It's like, you know, if it's good, it's like, hey, we've got ourselves a new cash cow. If not, you know, people forget it in 12 months. Well, the thing was, like, it, was, it wasn't good. It was great. The idea of um, taking Spider-Man out, like, just, like, taking Spider-Man out and just, like, acting as if the series had been launched in the modern day turned out to be, a, like, a breath of fresh air for the character and led to some of the... Um, some of the best, um, like Spider-Man stories in in recent memory, to the point where I I've always maintained on um, like on on the blog before that you know this is the one Spider-Man title that you that you need to read. I mean, like yes, like there's been plenty of good stuff, especially from Dan Slott, like over the years with the regular like Amazing Spider-Man title, but Ultimate Spider-Man has has benefited to no end from the from the uh, solid creative team of, of, being, of being a book with a singular vision. From one writer, Brian Michael Bendis, and just you know, just also just being like relatively left alone for him to just like, you know just do whatever the hell he wants for like for a long time, and it also benefited from having one of the most stable creative teams in comics. Like originally, like, the series went for 110 issues with Bendis and artist Mark Bagley, and like Bagley, and Bagley was like a, one of the fastest artists in comics. He managed to put out about 18 issues of the series um, a year at its like at his peak. So. But but the thing is, and um and Big was good too. I mean, it's like he, like I mean, like he does, it's like he may not have have had like the most like you know, inventive visual style, but he was. But he's got consistency. He's got his. He's got expressive work. He's great with the action. It's like, I mean, so like, you know, I would like based on on all the uh, all the volumes that he did with with Bendis. You know, it's like 
Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade that trade them for anything. And he was and he was also replaced by Stuart Monin afterward, which like for the four volumes that he did, I mean, I, I love Monin to death, and I seeing him on this on on, like on this was title was like was fan fucking tastic. Then we got like then things that like a little more consistent with um David LaFuente, who was a good artist, but the guy can't really um he's not really one for the monthly schedule. And things have since I like, you know deteriorated to the point where yeah you get some you get a lot of good work, but you don't have that like artistic consistency that it that it used to have. So it makes makes you pine for the days like you know of, ba- of Bagley and Amonin. And yeah, you know, I'm sure that the series will I continue to have a good artist, like this first one with Sarah Pacelli, but I'm getting ahead of myself because the because like because like in preparation for this, I went back and, and reread and started rereading through like all like all the old Ultimate Spider-Man volumes. I couldn't get through all of them. I got up to around volume 14, but I was amazed about like how well this stuff this stuff holds up. I mean, it's it's like it's good, solid superhero fun, but um, Ben does like great job of um, bringing the characters to life, like making. Like I'm making Peter, Peter like a, like a relatable, real character with real genuine concerns. I mean, like, I, and also just like making him act like a, like a believable teenager as well. Just like you know, the, like like the drama he goes through with his relationship with Mary Jane feels believable. I mean, like at one point you know, they go through go through the t- typical break the, the breakup, like no, not just one breakup, but two breakups. Like first time when when Mary Jane realizes, no, I, I can't deal with this. You know, it's like I just. It's like I, I was almost thrown off the bridge by Norman Osborn, and um, I, I don't get, know how I can deal with this anymore. She breaks up with him, but you know, eventually they realize that yeah, you know, we, we really do love each other, and um, and like we, we still want to get together. And the second time is when Peter breaks up with her because he realizes you know she's just going to keep getting involved with what I do. I have to break, completely break ties with her in order to uh, in order to make sure that she's, she actually stays alive. I mean, it's like. It's, it's heartbreaking because you know, like, they, they, like these two are like meant to be together. But you know, like, this is like the whole Spider-Man thing is really the thing that's keeping them apart. I mean, Peter then goes on to hook up with um with Kitty Pride, which is all more impressive because like you know, it, it actually makes because even though like we know that he's meant to be with like Mary Jane, um, the, like the relationship with Kitty um does feel really like really um like heart heartfelt and believable. It's like you know, like hey, he's actually dealing with someone who who. He, Who's in this, so to speak? Who's in the same line of work as him, so, um, so to speak. But until so like, and so like, you know, even when they when they do have to like inevitably break up, as you know they will, you still feel you still feel bad for her. It's like, like and um, like that's and that's impressive as well. But the thing is, like with um with Bendis's run, it's like he does a good job of um you know doing a lot of streamlining of the mythos and it, and like creating nice modern takes on. On these characters, Bendis also has some interesting, um, recurring themes throughout the uh, throughout the series as well. First of all, just like being like, cause, like a lot of the, just about all the villains here are created through some form of genetic manip- manipulation. And one of the things that keeps coming back to like to haunt the characters is the fact that yeah, you know, it's like every time someone does this, I mean, like you wind up getting some sort of super villain or some sort of genetic war. So you you kept kind of wondering like, when is like when are we going to realize that the um like the whole do not disturb sign that God has placed on. A man's genetic structure as well. I mean, it's like it's it's amusing that they um keep pointing they point this out and they and we still get um crazy ass crazy ass shit like Nor- like Norman Osborn, the uh, it's like elect- Electro Craven the Hunter, it's like and, and Sandman. It's like and also but also um like 
um, Bendis, one of the other things that Bendis says really hits hits hard in the series. Just like you know, the fact that people just like like why why don't people act like you know like they ha- like they want to like, you know be a, be better people. Like why do they why do they just like suddenly descend to just you know taking the easy way out? Just you know a just like trying to aim, get, grab for stuff that they don't deserve and like not try to make the world a better place. It's on one hand, it's like a uh, it is kind of. It, it is appropriate that he's um, pitching this this kind of thought with a te- with a teenager because you know, that's a very teenager's type worldview. But it's also it's also one that's relevant to the world we live in today. In fact, it's also um, been just taking more a mature reader's approach to it in in Scarlet, which I really love, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it eventually once it finally fucking comes out and Bendis, you know, you know, find, makes the time for it. But you know, that's well, we'll see whether or not that happens like eventually because I me mean, like. Powers is is on is on indefinite hiatus for lack of a better term, and um, he's also got his um, all ages series on um, Takio with uh, Michael Avon Oming, and um, Marvel says hey you know that we're still soliciting that because it should still be coming out, but uh, we'll see how long how long it lasts. Bendis is meant to be scaling back his um Mar- his um company owned cre- cre- commitments with Marvel like after. After November, when he um, exits the Avengers titles, he'll still be writing. Um, he's slated to write a new um, Guardians of the Galaxy series, and he'll also be doing the uh, um, um, the all new X Men series, which I talked about um, in my Marvel Marvel previews picks. Which has a, like I said, it's got a great idea for a mini series, but for an ongoing series, oh boy! I hope he's. I'm sure he's smart enough to realize that, but we shall see. Still, though, it's like. Like re, like go back, going back and rereading through through all this stuff. I mean, it's like it's it does. Like I said, it holds it's it holds together very well. It's like and even though it's like you know all the stories are kind of like are like you know like five or six like last five or six issues at a time, as is Bendis's style. They like rereading reading them in trade paperback form. They still feel like a good. You never feel cheated. Like there's like always a good chunk of story right here. And there's always like it's always nice to appreciate all the uh, like the twists he puts. It's like he puts on to the like to these the ultimate versions of characters, like turning Craven into a into a reality TV star, um, like um, making um Osborn like um like like crazily obsessed with Peter, thinking that he's that he's basically represent his own like his life's work and basically regards him as more of a son than his own son Harry, who Harry who becomes like the uh, the hobgoblin, and um seeing him like you know like turn into a Turn this a genetic monstrosity, but then, but not actually being a monster. Just like, like Harry, just like realizes what he's becoming. Just like, as like he's lashing out at, the, at New York City, just asking, you know, just like Peter will finally put him down and like and kill him in order to get him to stop being what he becomes. Tragic stuff. It's like and and really and really heartfelt too. The the only real flaw it's like I see to Bendis's run is the fact that we that you know it's like. At this point, you get the feeling that he doesn't that that he doesn't really have like a particular Spider-Man story to tell with with this with this take on on with this Ultimate Universe. It's like he's just like you know going at it for as to keep this going as long as he possibly can. And at this point, the, what allows him to do that is the fact that the series was amazingly successful at first, and so it's got a hardcore audience who will come back to um who will keep reading it, such as your such as yours truly, but. Even if you know it's like the sales, like you know, keep they haven't been able to sustain sustain the sales as well as they have. Now, I will I will concede that there are some parts 
I struggled through when I've read when I've reread that hinted the fact that yeah you know Peter is going to die so the fact that he does die and this isn't spoiler warning the fact that um, the last volume of the volume four Ultimate Comics Spider Man is called the Death of Spider Man like yeah he dies but um, it's still like I still don't take back what I said that it that it still feels really abrupt and that they're saying yeah okay yeah Spider Man has to die so we can just do the latest relaunch. But, you know, there are some parts here that hint that, you know, that even if this wasn't planned, Bendis had an idea, at least had an idea, like, you know, you know how this, how this may end. So, 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 but, you know, all this leads us to um, Miles, uh, Miles Morales, who is a rarity in himself being a um, younger, like, um, minority, it's like minority character in a, um, it's like in a leading, in a, in a starring role in a um, Marvel or DC superhero title. Now, thing is it's like i read this first volume i generally i really enjoyed it there is a fresh there's a freshness to it that um that does recall like you know the, the original like the original launch of ultimate peter parker but then there's also some nice twists that bendis puts on like puts on the um the spin of his origin here because you know it's like well well, we know that you know Peter Peter Parker grew up in the care of his aunt, aunt May and Uncle Ben. Miles um, is actually growing up with his like with his um with his birth parents, and um, we also we're introduced to him as he's um like waiting for a spot in a in a charter school in New York. So it gives you so you get the sense that you no, know, he's not um that he's that he's still got kind of that that hard luck underdog uh, appeal to him. But also the, the interesting thing is that his uncle um. Like his, his uncle Aaron isn't um, like meant to be the, like the best kind of influence in the world because he's actually a cat, like a, a burglar. He's also basically he's the ultimate version of the Prowler from like from the regular from the regular universe. And um, there's a nice little um, like dichotomy set set up. Te- there's a nice little tension set up right there. I mean, aside from putting aside the fact that um, that Sp- that you know like like Spider-Man's Uncle Ben like was the uh, the guiding influence in his life. Um, and here you've got, you know, like like a Spider-Man with both with all of his family intact. It's like, but the thing is, um, even though it's like uh, like his like Miles' dad regards his brother as like a bad influence, and he doesn't want his son hanging around around him. He, um, we also find out that you know his dad doesn't really think too much about about superheroes in general. Thinks you know why can't they just all pack up and leave us to be alone? So you get so you get. The sense to you know, hey, that, that Miles can't go to his dad about this one, this, this biggest change in his life, but he, that he may wind up, you know, going to his uncle, who um, may have some sort of insight about this. And um, it's like, and it's, and after that, you know, and like that's that's a good setup right there. The thing that I don't quite appreciate with this, um, with 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 with, with Miles is that while he's set up as a nice. You know, quiet younger kid who doesn't, who's not like, doesn't really want powers. He's, he, like, he's living, his life is, um, was tough enough as it is. He doesn't need this stuff comp- complicating it. So when, when he gets that spider bite that gives him spider powers, he says, No, I don't want to do this. So I'm going like, to go try to live a normal life, be as normal as possible. Then Peter dies, and Miles thinks, Well, you know, like, could I have been there? Could I have saved him? And his buddy, um, his buddy, like like nerdy Lego, like Lego enthusiast Gonk, um, think thinks that hey, don't like, yeah you you could have done that, but you, you could but you could have also died in, at the same time as well, or and also yeah, you know maybe this means that you are now the Spider-Man on deck, 
that now it's your turn to go out and you know, be the Spider-Man that New York that New York needs. Now, the catch is though is that as soon as um, Miles puts on the uh, like the uh, like the cheapo Halloween spider spider costume that his buddy Gabe dig, um, digs up, um, he he almost immediately turns into um, like like Peter Parker again because you've got the um, you got the um, the wisecracking um, inner monologue the um, like the um, the taunts to the villains. It's like it's kind of like you know like this. It just feels kind of jarring with this um, with what we've seen of the characters before. I mean, yes, uh, Miles acknowledges this in this. It's that you know, like, wait, wait, when did I start getting an inner monologue? But it still feels kind of like you know, like, like jarring with what with what we've established of the character so far. So it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I can understand like you know, Bendis wants like like. Realize this is part of the Spider-Man formula. Like this is the you know wisecracks and um, self-deprecatory inner monologue kind of. So it makes the character, but at the same time, it's like it's like it do, it doesn't it doesn't quite um like um jar with the with with the character himself. I mean, we do get a decent story when when he meets up with Spider Spider Woman and Nick Fury and helps take down take down Electro, and we get he gets that one chance to be Spider-Man now, and so like I. So I mean, so even with that, it's like I'm willing to like to keep following in order to see like you know if, if things like start like you know start to gel a bit more. I mean, I can understand that you know maybe Bendis does just want to have like, you know like Spider-Man when he's in costume just just be this one thing, but you know maybe we'll see how it gels. And I am looking forward to seeing how he explores uh, Miles' family life. You know now that he's now that he's a superhero, and the series does feature some great art from Sarah Pacelli for these issues. Um, she's got, she's got a nice, it's like a nice appealing, appealing clean, clean style, but um, like I'm looking at this and thinking like, yeah, you know, as, as nice as this is, um, like we're not going to see any more of it after this volume, at least until the uh, Spider Men crossover when he when the regular when the ultimate regular universe, um, Peter Parker meets up with Miles, and I just think that you know it's like that's that's kind of like the beginning. Of the end for the Marvel Universe, because mark my words, some point, maybe a couple of years from now, like the Ultimate Universe is just going to completely implode, and Marvel's just Marvel Universe is just going to absorb all all the worthwhile parts um, from the Ultimate Universe. My money's on on Miles being being one of those things. So, and I look forward to seeing seeing how the series series develops. Now, as far as like um, Bendis's run goes, like you can buy. It's like you can buy these series in um, nice. Um, it's like a nice um, two-volume collect editions, much like John has. Yay! Yeah. So. And no, I, I really, I really do like those volumes. I really do. <laughs> <They're awesome. laughs> yeah, just want to put you on the spot right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> yeah, even though it's like I, I, I seem to remember like Marvel putting out some sort of omnibus. Um, editions of these things, kind of like I mean, this is a series that you know was like you know much as the Walking Dead has their compendium editions. Bendis's run is a series that would that would greatly benefit from those, like you know, nice big compendiums that collect like you know, like like the like the Bagley run, like you know, two or three volumes, or the Amonin run, and just one. So it's like you know, it's like it's good, so it's good stuff. And if you like, like I said, if you if you're a Spider-Man fan, like I said this series has been like the like the one series that. That you can appreciate that you can appreciate without having to worry about any clutter from the regular universe or like say forty odd years of continuity. Yes, Mar- yes, like um, Ultimate Spider-Man is getting its own, is kind of getting long in its tooth, 
but still it's like it's been it's been a thoroughly enjoyable run and i you know even though it's like i've i'm doing this podcast i may just go back and keep reading all of the uh like keep reading through some more of these volumes i still want to get to the end of the vaguely run like you know before i go back to you know rereading more stuff for this for this podcast wow yeah um gosh but there's so many questions about like this kid i guess the only way i'm going to be able to find out is if i read the novel yeah, I mean, like, you get the like the basis of personality. Like, let's say his personality was established enough. Couple issues where I actually started having issues when Ben started adding more stuff to it. So, you know, I guess that's kind of a compliment that you know at how well Bendis established his personality. That you know, I'm already having issues with it. Yeah, you know, with. I mean, I, I mean, it, it, you know, the wisecracking Peter Parker has been, you know, such a part of the series uh, for a lot of people. But uh, you know, to have that same kind of a thing, maybe it's the spiders that are doing it. Oh, still, yeah, it's a genetic thing. It's like you know, so they just get bitten. They turn into like on um, wisecracking, like on um, wisecracking self-deprecatory men- menches. Yeah, I that that that's an that's actually an interesting theory. I hope it's not a real explanation, really. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yes, uh, so um, now I, I'm actually a little intrigued. Um, yeah, you've revealed enough of it to me to, to make me want to go to Amazon and actually get a couple of issues and read it. Um, because I haven't finished the other one yet for some reason. <laughs> must be my dang busy schedule. Anyway, speaking of schedules, do you have anything planned for our next podcast? Oh, well, depending on when things are... Amazon. I will. I I will say that um, you can people can look forward to um, podcasts feature, featuring on um, Mark Wade's um, irredeemable and incorruptible. Also, John. Yes, sir. Start rereading um, Genshin because that's going. To, that's coming. That's coming up on deck. The second. The first volume of the second season is coming up on deck in, in the next couple of weeks. Oh, sweet! Great. I'll look forward to uh, contributing. Yeah. I'll be uh, thinking of something else in two weeks then. All right. Well, with that, um, we'll call it a night, right? All right, and we'll talk to you later. All right, take it easy. All right, see you later.